0: Hi there and welcome. The First Christian Church Podcast Ministry features the teaching and preaching of the First Christian Church in downtown Roseburg, Oregon. Here's today's message. Well, if you have your bulletins, you should have your bulletins. If not, um, perhaps we could have someone grab some bulletins. Anyone need one? If you need a bulletin? All right, so uh, if someone, thank you Scott, would grab a few bulletins, today's message, you'll need a bulletin. It's an incredibly practical message, Um, and so we invite you to open up your bulletin on the inside, follow along with the scripture reading, with the notes. We are in John chapter 15, and we are in a a four-week study called Abide, where we're looking at the uh, words of Jesus uh, to his disciples in John chapter 15. If you need a bulletin, raise your hand, and uh, Scott will get one to you. Oh, okay. Just a couple people. Great. Um, and so pull those out. Pull out your Bibles to John chapter 15. If you have a green card near you, if you'd fill one out, we would love to uh, collect that at the end of the service by placing them in the offering box. Um, we want to thank you for attending today under our new guidelines. By the way, by the way if you are wearing a, uh, a mask and glasses this morning, you may be entitled to condensation. Some of you will get that later. So we're in John chapter 15. We're answering this question, what happens when we choose to follow Christ closely? Our lives should be different if we follow Christ closely. Um, And so we're looking at what happens in our life when we choose to follow Christ closely. How many of you found yourselves watching um, uh, more TV than normal during quarantine? Raise your hands. I My hand is with you. We watched shows. We discovered new shows. One of the shows we discovered uh, is on Amazon Prime. It's called Grow, Cook, Eat. How many of you have ever seen this program before? This is an awesome program. You guys should jot it down if you have Amazon Prime. It's, uh, it's these two people. Um, her name is Karen O'Donoghue. Uh, his name is Michael Kelly. They're from Waterford City, Ireland. And part of the reason I love watching the show so much is their Irish accents. Um, and oftentimes during the show, I myself will think I'm Irish, and I'll begin my Irish accent. I was going to do it today, but I'm a little self-conscious, so I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Um, I love this show because these two people are in Ireland, and they take one specific crop, and then they explain how to grow it, start to finish, how to cook it, how to eat it, all of the different things, and so they'll take one. There was one episode just on garlic. And garlic is incredibly easy to make or incredibly easy to uh, plant apparently and so they they walk you through how to grow it and they give you all these pla- practical advices uh advice on how to grow uh, these plants and if you have a small space or if you have a large space and they they show you exactly what to do and for garlic it's very interesting you can have just a list of a small uh, area for garlic and as you plant garlic one of the awesome things is um the, the garlic stalks will get green, and that's when you know it's growing, and then it'll start turning brown, and it'll look like it's dead. It'll fall over, and um, the, the stalks will look like they're completely dead, and in that moment, you know that garlic is ready to pluck. I mean, isn't that great advice, that when your plant looks like it's dead, it's actually ready to pick? Those are my kind of plants, by the way, because some of mine just, they look like that all the time, and I think they're ready to, but they're not. Um, and so, this, so today, I was thinking about this show, and I was thinking about today's uh, message as we get to part three of Abide. Today's going to be an incredibly practical message. We're going to look at uh, uh, about eight or nine scriptures, and then I'm going to ask you to write some things down as a way to commit your life to what happens when we choose to follow Christ closely. Uh, you have a bunch of scriptures there on the left-hand side of your uh, outline. John chapter 15, look at verse 5. We won't read the whole passage. It's there for your reference as you look back on it. But look at verse 5, and let's read verse 5 together. Ready, begin. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is part of Jesus's final discourse as you read through the Gospels you'll notice in the next few chapters um, we're we're moving our way quickly to the cross he has just finished his last meal with the disciples he has just uh, walked them through um, what the Holy Spirit is going to look like in their lives Um, he has told Peter that Peter's going to go through a denial. He has, he has done some things, and in, in the last few chapters, as we go through the end of the Gospel of John, he's moving us to the cross. He's walking with the disciples, and this is part of his final discourse. And some of the lessons we've learned in this series, this four-week series on Abide, is this. When following Christ closely, growth and fruit are not just possible, they are inevitable. And the proof that we are following Jesus is our life will bear fruit, So we talked about, well, what is this fruit? We identified two major categories. Number one is this, the primary fruit of our life is bringing people to Jesus Christ. Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, all of the gospels talk about the Great Commission, our mandate as a church, and part of that mandate is to go into all the world to preach and to teach the gospel so that people can have the opportunity to receive Christ, be baptized, and then we teach them how to observe all the things Jesus talked about. And so part of our fruit, primarily number one, is to bring people to Christ. Number two, it is the maturity of godly character in our life. That over the course of our life, love, joy, peace, the fruit of the Spirit would become uh, abundantly clear in our life. And we talked about the way to grow and produce fruit is to abide. This means to stay, to remain, to take up your home and to depend on. The branch's number one responsibility, our number one responsibility, is simply abide. Last week, we looked at four strategies to remain close to Christ. The first is to abide in his words. Uh, we said that we cannot have a close relationship with God while having a casual relationship with his words. Jesus himself said this, If you hold to my teaching, you're my disciples then you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So we talked about the fact that, number one, the way to abide in Christ is to abide in His words. We talked about, secondly, that we are to abide in His love. We needed to spend time thinking about, remaining in, uh, setting our hearts, letting the words of Christ dwell with, dwell richly in us as we think about His love for us. So we abide in His words, we abide in His love, we keep His commandments, And then we abide in the joy that Jesus provides. So today we're going to be in verses 12 through 15. And we're going to talk about how abiding impacts the others in our life. Look at verse 12 through 15 as we begin today. It says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. Boy, as you look at these four verses, the standard for our love to others is God's love for us. That's an awfully high standard, isn't it? The standard for us to love one another is God's love for us. I have been uh, purposely in my own life when I feel like I'm in a position where um, I don't know how to, uh, to react to someone around me who disagrees with me, uh, when I'm in a position where uh, someone's in my world where I don't normally interact with them, uh, when someone is asking someone, something of me, I have been consciously trying to say this, Daniel, love them. Start there. Love them as God loved you. Can I just tell you that's really difficult? I feel like I might stop praying that. Because it changes everything. It changes every interaction. It changes every single dialogue, every conversation. Because the standard in which God asks us to love one another is God's love for us. This is the love of Jesus that was shown on Calvary. And if we loved as he loved... We are friends. We're no longer servants. Look at verse 15 again. I want to explain that verse before we jump into the real practical portion of the scripture. He says, no longer do I call you servants. For the, father do, for the servant, I should say, does not know what his master is doing. Do you remember how early in the Gospels, and it's really interesting to see the relationship between the disciples and Jesus. And oftentimes they would say, Jesus, why fill in the blank? And oftentimes, he would give them a portion of the answer, but not the full answer. Often, he would say, well, let me tell you a story about a rich man and a poor man, or let me tell you a story about the kingdom of heaven is like a field, or let me tell you, he wouldn't give them the whole picture, but he would give them nuggets of understanding because the relationship was different. They had just begun to follow Christ. They were servants in that relationship. And so now what Jesus is saying is, no longer are you servants, but you're my friends. The rest of verse 15 says this. I have, uh, the servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. If you look at chapter 14, um, you see this conversation about Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And so at this point, Jesus has let them in on what is about to transpire. And so he says, if we loved as he loved us, we are friends. We are no longer servants. So this abiding comes with a very direct command from Jesus. And he says in verse 12, this is the commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. So how does this love show up in the lives of the others in our life? So this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the second half of our outline, and we're going to go through the fruit of the Spirit. And with each, each fruit of the Spirit, we're going to take a moment to explain it. Read a verse. And there's a box there. What I'm going to ask you to do is in the course of this message, I want you to write a person's name down in the box that you need to share this fruit of the Spirit with. And by the end of the service, we'll have a prayer list, a personal prayer list for ourselves that really makes this uh, discussion with Jesus hit home for us in a real practical way. So, first of all, love. This is how you spell love in Greek, um, this is the word agape. Everyone say agape. In Galatians 5.22, love is translated from the Greek word agape, and the Greek has multiple words for love, including uh, eros, which is a, a physical love, uh, has philos, which is a brotherly love. Agape is a perfect love that only God can give. Love for God is the uh, and others is the result of receiving God's perfect agape love. Look at John chapter 13. In verse 34 and 35. So this is just uh, the conversation prior to John chapter 15. And this is what Jesus says to his disciples. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. How comfortable are you in identifying with Christ in this way? What Jesus is telling us is that um, aside from our attendance to church on Sunday, aside from um, the, 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 the behavior of what it looks like to follow Christ, the way people will identify you with me, Jesus says, is if you love one another. This is the way you would identify with Christ. I want you to think about all the things you're comfortable identifying with. Uh, I confessed this last week when the governor gave us new guidelines for gathering. I said to Libby, if I'm going to wear a mask, I want to wear one that has the Lakers logo on it. It's going to cost about $12. What do you think? And I said, I will get you one that has Ohio State on it if you let me get mine. I'm very comfortable identifying with my Laker fandom. Um, My license plate outside on my car—actually, my car's not here today. Uh, We brought Libby's car, Um, but um, because hers is nicer than me, Uh, it hurts when you laugh like that. Um, On my on my car, my nickname is Pootie, and so my 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 license plate just says Pootie on it. I'm comfortable with my name. I'm comfortable identifying. With my name. Um, If I go to a restaurant, I'm comfortable being identified in that restaurant that I support. That restaurant. Jesus says the way that people identify you with me is how you love one another. I want you to think about right now who in your life needs your love? I want you to get very specific. And write that name down. I want you to look at the word joy. This is the Greek word for joy. Joy is this word, Kara. Kara is often translated joy or delight in the Bible. It's seen as gladness. It is the realization of God's favor and grace in our life. Biblical joy is happiness that is not dependent on circumstances. Uh, The next word we're going to get to in just a moment kind of is related to joy and and the definitions are similar. Uh, Look at Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Paul is writing to the church at Rome and he says this, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will, say that next word with me, overflow... With confident hope, through the power of the Holy Spirit. There's two thoughts I want you to think about as you look at this verse. Number one, he says, "I'm going to fill you, uh, fill you completely with joy and peace." Why? What's the rest of the verse? Because you trust in Him. See, this whole idea of joy in the midst of chaos means, even though my feet is plant, my feet are planted here. I rest and I trust in God. Even though chaos is surrounding me here, I rest and I trust in who God is. Even though there's disruption in my relationships, I rest and I trust in who God is. Uh, So he fills you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. And then look at the second verse, uh, second part of the verse. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. The way that works is this. Even though I'm in a relationship right now that doesn't make sense, because I trust in who God is, I am overflowing with confident hope that this relationship can be restored. Um, just because uh, financially uh, the economy in Douglas County and maybe in your own personal life is shaky and you're not quite sure what to do, with one bill to the next, um, but because you trust him, you're full of joy, you're full of peace, and because of that, you're overflowing with hope, knowing that he controls the future. You see how those are all interrelated? It's not that just I have joy or just I have peace or just I have hope. It's this combination of, of allowing ourselves to trust in Him that results in this overflowing with confident hope. And I just want you to think about who in your life uh, could use joy. Who in your life, let's think very specifically, who in your life could use joy? that is not dependent on circumstances. Who in your life could use a a fresh awakening of what it means to trust in God so that they would be full of joy and peace? Love, joy. We turn to peace. The biblical concept of peace is this word, Irene. It's inclusive of Life with and without conflict. This is a a wholeness, a harmony with God. Um, in in uh, another word for it is the shalom that God would provide. Harmony is when uh, when it, or I'm sorry, wholeness and harmony with God exists within without conflict because of a supernatural peace that we can't understand that passes all of our understanding. It's when people of different backgrounds and different ethnicities and different cultures can work together uh, because we are at peace with who God created us to be. This type of harmony is when different notes work together to produce a beautiful sound. If we are all, if we are all singing the same note, the melody gets predictable and the music gets Simple harmony is when we are have different notes working together to produce a different, a beautiful sound. This is the wholeness and the harmony with God and with also others. Look at John sixteen, verse thirty three. John sixteen, verse thirty three. These things have I spoken to you. This is Jesus talking in the very next chapter, so that in me you might have peace. Because in the world, not so much. Right in the world, you will have tribulation. Uh, think about where Jesus is talking. Jesus is talking about moments before uh, he's going to be arrested, moments before he's going to be betrayed, moment with Judas's kiss, uh, moments before um, he he gets accused, charged, and sentenced, moments before his his death on the cross. And Jesus said, uh, "These things have I spoken to you. Everything I've talked to you. Everything I've taught you." And for us today, with the Bible in our hand, we can say these things God has spoken to us so that in Him you might have peace because in the world, not so much. In the world, you will have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. So again, think very specifically. Who in your life would benefit from the peace that passes all understanding. What family member, what friend, what employee, uh, what neighbor would benefit from peace from God? Love, joy, peace. We turn to patience. And this is the Greek word makrothumia. Patience is not used. Uh, In this tense very often, the Greek word in Galatians 5.22 is translated using other words in your translations, perhaps, using these words, uh, forbearance, endurance, steadfastness, perseverance, long-suffering, slowness, in avenging wrongs. That word long-suffering, is there another word that describes exactly what it is just by saying it? Long-suffering. The Holy Spirit empowers believers to withstand challenging situations with perseverance and endurance. And the Greek root word of this uh, is two words that mean long and passion. And so through the Holy Spirit, we're able to work uh, to wait longer before indulging our passions. We become long-tempered rather than short-tempered. This is that word patience that Paul uses when he describes Jesus' patience with him. And like Paul, we all have benefited from Christ's immense patience with us. And the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our life is also seen in our ability to persevere, to be patient, long-tempered with others as opposed to short-tempered. So let me ask you this, who in your life needs your patience? What specific people can you think of? James says it this way about patience. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Love and joy and peace and patience. This abiding with Jesus comes with a command. And the command is this, that you love one another. And because you're no longer servants, you're friends, if you... Love one another. So how does love, how does joy, how does peace, how does patience show up in your life? Uh, let's continue. The word kindness is next. Kindness is this Greek word, Christotes. kristotes. Conveys the meaning of goodness, integrity, usefulness. The meaning of a gentleman or a gentlewoman was used in the 19th century So, is someone who behaved properly with moral integrity and kindness. Romans, Paul says it this way, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Jesus' kindness in our life is intended to turn us from our sin. Who in your life could benefit from kindness. We look at goodness, and goodness is this uh, Greek word agathosune, which means the upright of heart, life, goodness, and kindness. Goodness is seen in our actions, and this word relates to not only being good, but also doing good things. I like how Paul says it in Second Thessalonians. He says this, God chose you, and we keep praying that God will make you worthy of being his people. We pray for God's power, to help you do all the good things you hope to do and your faith makes you want to do. This goodness, where, whose life could this show up in? Through the Holy Spirit's work in Christian's life, we are upright in heart and then we do good things. And Paul's uh, prayer for the church in the Thessalonians, Thessalonians is that he keeps praying that God will make them worthy of being his people. Uh, look at this word faithfulness. Faithfulness is the evidence of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And in the New Testament, faith is the belief in God and the conviction that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation. But it's also this character trait that combines dependability and trust based on our confidence in God and his eternal faithfulness. I love how Proverbs talks about faithfulness. It says this, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Boy, who, who in your life would it be important for faithfulness to show up in? Maybe it's, your, uh, maybe it's one of your kids' name. Maybe it's a family member's name. Whose name would, uh, would benefit from your life demonstrating the fruit of faithfulness? We will go on to gentleness. Gentleness is translated, who knows what it's translated in the King James Version. Meekness. I don't know who said it, but meekness. Meekness is this idea uh, that uh, some translations don't use it because when we think of the word meek, we think of the word weak. And those words can't be further from each other in terms of definition, um, I read in a Bible dictionary this illustration. Meekness does not identify the weak, but more precisely the strong who have been placed in a position of weakness where they persevere without giving up. It goes on to say that the use of the Greek word when applied to animals makes this clear, for it means tame when it applies to wild animals. In other words, such animals have not lost their strength, but have learned to control the destructive instincts that prevent them from living in harmony with others. Isn't that a beautiful explanation of what it means to be gentle, to be meek? Boy, I pray that my life would not lose strength, but that in my life, I would learn to control the destructive instincts that prevent me from living in harmony with others. Matthew says it this way. He records Jesus' words. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble humble. And gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your soul. Who in your life would benefit from you being gentle, having your strength controlled in such a way that your destructive instincts would not prevent you from living in harmony with this person? The next one is self-control. This is the Greek word, egreteia. It's an ability to control one body and sensual appetites and physical appetites through the power of the Holy Spirit. Self-control relo- relates to both uh, chastity and sobriety, particularly moderation is the word. It's the opposite of the works of the flesh that indulge your selfish desires. Uh, Paul says it this way in Galatians, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Love and joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These sound a whole lot better when you don't have to apply them in your life. We have said that our purpose as a church is to love God and love others through authenticity, relationships, and outreach. We have said that when it comes to authenticity, we will be a church family that values a faith worth living every single day, not just on Sundays. We will be a church family that values healthy relationships with one another that we are willing to fight for because we believe in each other and we trust in who God is. We'll be a church family that pursues opportunities to share the gospel with others as a way of reaching out to others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If this is the church we aspire to be, if this is the kind of people we aspire to be to love God and love people through authenticity to relationships and outreach the fact of the matter is that the the life we live should leave some fruit so i want you to shift from thinking of how fruit will show up in your life to where fruit will show up and i want you to ask the question who comes to mind Because it's all fine and dandy for us to talk about love, joy, and peace and and talk about, yeah, we need more patience in our life. Well, who do you need more patience with? Who could benefit from your kindness that isn't right now? Uh, Where should your life have the behaviors of goodness? Who can you demonstrate faithfulness to? Who can you demonstrate gentleness? With whom do you need to demonstrate self-control? So I want to read through these. And as you have your outline there in front of you, I want you to think about who comes to mind. When we think about love, who comes to mind? Who, who needs the love of Christ in their life? Who can you pray for? Who can you love as Christ loved you? And as you write, I will write. When you think about joy, who comes to mind? Who in your life would benefit from joy, regardless of the circumstance, because of them trusting in who God is? No one's going to see this but you and anyone you choose to share it with, so write someone's name down. When it comes to the peace of God, Who in your life would benefit from understanding and embracing the peace of God regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the chaos they might be going through, regardless of the upheaval in their own life? Who would benefit from the peace of God that passes all understanding? Who do you need to be patient with? Who in your life recently do you need to extend patience with? When you think about kindness, who could you be kind to that needs it in such a way that it turns their heart to God? Who could you bake some cookies for? Whose lawn could you mow out of the kindness of your heart? Whose bill could you pay? Who, who, Who can you be kind to? In your life, who needs goodness? can goodness show up in your life? Not just being good, but doing good things. Who would benefit from you demonstrating faithfulness to? I'll confess there's a couple I've blanked on, and I'm going to come back to those as I fill out my list. Who do you need to be gentle with in such a way where you can control your own destructive instincts while pursuing harmony with someone else, who you can be gentle with? then self-control. With whom do you need to exercise self-control? In such a way that you don't gratify the desires of your flesh to get even or revenge, but instead you walk by the Spirit. Who would benefit from you exercising self-control? We said fruit shows up one of two ways, and we said uh, one of the ways is the maturity of godly character, this fruit of the spirit that over the course of our life, love joy, peace, kindness goodness patience gentleness self control all of these things faithfulness will mature in our lives the other The other fruit in our life though is bringing people to christ, and next week we're going to talk about that a little bit more specifically as Jesus finishes his uh his discussion about uh being chosen and being appointed, but just by way of praying through this list, who in your life needs to come to Christ? First Peter chapter 3 and verse 15 says this, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so if you're thinking about people in your life that could benefit from having a relationship with Jesus, who in your life should come to Christ that you want to pray for. All right, John 15, verse 7, we'll close here. Look back in your outline or in your Bibles or in your Bible app, John 15, verse 7. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but he says this, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. We talked about that Jesus is not just saying, boy, if if you abide in me and my words abide in you, I am your magic genie lamp. You just get to rub it and ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. He is not claiming that. He's not saying that he is Santa Claus with a, a, a mysterious list, and he has a naughty and a nice list, and And if you abide in me and my words abide in you, all of a sudden, anything you ask, I'll grant to you. What he's saying is, anything you ask, you have to look at the context of this scripture. And what he's saying is this, when it comes to fruit in your life, when it comes to people coming to Christ, when it comes to this godly character that should show up in your life, if you ask anything when it's regarding this fruit, I'm going to give it to you. And so I want us to take a moment, I want us to look back at this list of the people that we've written down when we think about the love of God being in their life, and joy, and peace, and patience, and people we could be kind to, and good to, and the people that we need to demonstrate faithfulness and gentleness to, the people we should exercise self-control, the people in our life that we would wish would come to Christ. And this is going to be our prayer guide as we claim the promise of John 15:7. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. You can ask whatever you wish, he says, and it'll be done for you. So let's bow and let's have that moment of prayer right now. Father, we are grateful for the moments that we get to share in this place. Father, thank you for your scripture. Thank you for allowing us to have the words that you spoke with the disciples. Father, these conversations that you had with them in, in leading up to the cross, these moments of intimate conversation where you poured out your heart to them. Thank you for preserving them in Scripture. And so, Father, as we think through this this beautiful list of people in our lives, these family relationships, these friend relationships, these relationships with coworkers and maybe neighbors, Father, you said if we abide in you and your words abide in us, that we can ask whatever we wish And when it comes to the fruit in our lives, you would grant it. so Father, in this moment, we claim that verse and we claim those promises. These are people who are very dear to us, Lord. And we want them to experience the love, the joy, and the peace that comes with following Christ. So in this moment, we commit this list of people to you. Help us to live lives worthy of the calling of Jesus Christ. Help us to live lives that are full of joy and peace because we have trusted in who you are, that our lives would overflow with confident hope. And ultimately, Lord, I pray that our relationships would be impacted because of how we live our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to this week, take that list and to pray through that list and invite God into those relationships. And it's an amazing thing to see over the course of this year what could happen in our lives as we ask God to show up in our life. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you made a decision for Christ or would like prayer with someone from our church family, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Facebook by searching Roseburg First Christian Church, or you can email us directly at roseburgfcc at gmail.com. In addition, if you're listening to this message on Apple or Spotify, we invite you to like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast, and share it on social media so others can be blessed as well. God bless you and have a beautiful day.